It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Who they think they're going to beat them Bengals? It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Lockdown Bengals podcast. Today in the open, going to take a couple minutes for some housekeeping stuff. If you like the show and you don't know who we are very well, you can find Joe and I on Twitter, as we said in the open, at Joe Goodberry for Joe, at Jake underscore NFL for me. You can find the show on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and any number of places that play podcasts on the internet. We do appreciate and read your feedback, so you can leave us a rating, leave us a review if you like on iTunes, or do none of the above and just continue to interact with us on Twitter. That's the best way to get a hold of us, and we do mailbags weekly, so you can get all that on Twitter. Final note is that the Lockdown Bengals podcast does have a few sponsorship slots open right now. If you or your business are interested in reaching Bengals fans, feel free to contact Joe or myself on Twitter and we can get you more details about all that. We've got another split show for you today, so I'll catch you up on the latest news and notes. Then we'll listen to Joe talk about what a tank looks like and his philosophical views thereof. Then I'll talk a little bit more about the upcoming matchup. The Bengals are actually favored against the Cardinals, and I don't know if you knew about that. Second game the Bengals have been favored in this year. The previous one was against the San Francisco 49ers. 49ers, I think, are better than Vegas thought at the time. But at this point, we have a pretty good idea of who the Cardinals are and who the Bengals are. So maybe this spread is a little bit more accurate. And if you're one of those fans out there, and there are many of you that would like to see the Bengals win some games, be competitive... Well, this is a chance for us to see that sort of product. Let's get into the biggest news and notes from the Bengals and from the Cardinals as they gear up for their Week 5 contest in Cincinnati. Then we'll hear from Joe, and then I'll be back to talk a little bit more about the matchup against the Cardinals. Some injury updates out of Paul Brown Stadium today as Carlos Dunlap returned to a did-not-participate status in Thursday's practice. He's dealing with a knee injury. He was a full participant listed on Wednesday, but that was said to be more of a walkthrough kind of practice. Joining him in downgrades on the practice report were Kerry Wynn, who is now in his third week of the concussion protocol, and Sean Williams, who's also dealing with a knee injury. He was limited in practice today. Cordy Glenn, of course, has regressed and continues to not participate in practice, which isn't the best sign for a guy who has been dealing with symptoms of a concussion, For nearly 50 days now, 
Of note, however, Zach Taylor did say that he has not regressed, despite the injury report that seems to suggest the contrary, and that he expects Cordy Glenn to play, quote, sometime soon. We have no idea what that means, of course. Some other injury updates on Bengals.com. Jonah Williams is doing agility drills. Of course, he didn't have a leg injury, so that's not terribly surprising and doesn't suggest that he's close to a return. The window is still open for his return sometime late this year, though. Darquez Denard is wearing shoulder pads and is jogging on the rehab field, according to Jeff Hobson. And A.J. Green looks like he's still a little bit of time away. He looks like he's laboring to put weight on his injured leg. I don't think he'll be ready for at least a week, if not two, from this point. Jeff Hobson's note suggests that Jonah Williams is someone they're hoping might be ready for December, but Darquez Denard should be a lot closer. He had a knee scope in the offseason, and he has just not been able to do anything since then. The Bengals did also sign Trenton Irwin, a wide receiver out of Stanford, to the practice squad today. He was signed as a college free agent by Miami. The Bengals actually met with Irwin in the pre-draft process, and he's someone that we have flagged for them as a potential undrafted free agent signing, and he's now found his way onto the Bengals' practice squad. Irwin wasn't a terribly dominant receiver in college, but he was very good at catching the ball when it hit his hands. PFF had him with the 14th best drop rate in this wide receiver class. No surprise to hear that name come up as the Bengals did have pre-draft interest. And he will fill the spot of Stanley Morgan, who is heading to the Bengals' 53-man roster and likely the 45-man roster. Tyler Boyd said, Morgan is a dog, hard-nosed football player. And while Morgan didn't possess elite foot speed running a 4-5-3-40, he tested pretty well in terms of burst, so that's a broad jump, and the vertical. Had good agility testing at the Combine, and had pretty good college production. Our pre-draft evaluation of Stanley Morgan had him right in the pack with Paris Campbell, Marquise Brown, and behind guys like DK Metcalf and Debo Samuel in our wide receiver rankings. But just based on his productivity, he graded pretty well from pro football focus. There's some reason to have some optimism for Morgan. The one factor statistically or historically against Morgan, not in his favor, is that he's now 23 years old, but he still has a chance to be pretty good because he's got good athleticism and he had really good college production, which leads you to believe that he could reproduce that to some degree at the next level. And he was the most celebrated out of all the undrafted wide receiver signings for the Bengals. Again, the Zach Taylor called the best undrafted group of wide receivers he's ever been around. Morgan will have his first shot to be active as the Arizona Cardinals come to town, and if any team in football is more injured than the Arizona Cardinals, I've yet to see it. They had at least 10 players listed as did not participate in practice on Thursday, including Terrell Suggs, who was downgraded. He's got a back injury. Tremaine Brock, the corner, has a back injury. Starting receiver Christian Kirk has an ankle injury. He's not expected to play. And offensive lineman Justin Pugh has a shoulder injury. But a Baker did return to be a full participant in Thursday's practice for Arizona, so he should be good to go for the Cardinals. But they're looking pretty hurt as well, and dodging Christian Kirk means really the only weapon for Arizona's offense. Well, it's going to be David Johnson, of course, the running back. Really good receiving weapon. 
Larry Fitzgerald, one of the greatest receivers of all time, and Kyler Murray's legs. I think the Bengals' task on defense is going to be pretty clear this week, and we could see a bounce back against a rookie quarterback and an offense missing its weapons. We'll see how that goes, and we'll see how the offense responds. That's really the bigger question. They'll be down weapons too. Arizona hasn't won a game. This might be the Bengals' chance to get in the W column in 2019. If you found $100 on the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep picking winners and not betting on them? That's why I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. My bookie offers a variety of options depending on your style of betting. You can bet on games after kickoff if by the second half it looks like your bet is going to lose, you can take the other side and recoup your cash. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, you can try a parlay. If all your picks come through, you'll multiply your winnings. No matter how you bet, the NFL season is the best time of year. Join now and MyBookie will double your first deposit. Just use promo code LOCKEDON to activate the offer. That's promo code LOCKEDON. Visit mybookie.ag today to play so you win and get paid. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Tanking, the very phrase or idea of doing that, of not purposely losing, because I think, first of all, I don't think teams or players actively can try to lose. Definitely like you look at Miami, the players aren't trying to lose. They're just not good enough to win. So I think it comes on the GM, ownership, personnel, decision makers to feel the bad team for a year. But just the idea of it is is the opposite of what sports are about, right? About what being a fan is about, for sure, for us. You want your team to win every game. You want to cheer for them. You want to root for them. You want to be on their side as much as possible. You want the best possible outcome every time. But sometimes maybe that best possible outcome is taking a step back before taking a step forward. And isn't that the idea of tanking? Isn't it kind of like an investment? Putting money away in a savings account? Sure, you can't spend it right now. Or... It's a little bit less on your check right now, but it's a investment. It's an opportunity to make sure you secure your future. I think that's how I look at tanking. Is it weird to hope your team loses? Definitely. 100%. It actually confuses you at times. <laughs> if you Like last year, you know, the final three games or so, we're like, ah, just lose these ones. A lot of people were. And yet you get in there. And it's a close game, and you're hoping your team pulls it out because you want excitement. You want fun. It's it's not natural to want your team to lose. But I kind of look at it this way as if uh, if you're a kid, say to, say to a kid, hey, you want this marshmallow? They would say, yes, I would love this marshmallow. Marshmallows are great. They're full of sugar. And I said, okay. Or you can wait five hours, and I'll give you two marshmallows. What do you think the kid would choose? You think he'd wait? And take the two marshmallows in a few hours, or just give me the one marshmallow now. Very focused on the right now, right? I think 
I have three kids. I think they'd all take the marshmallow right now. I think the difference in planning and looking at a future outlook and maybe having a three or five year plan is that you would say two marshmallows are better than one. Everyone would agree as an adult. Two is two dollars is better than one dollar. It's an investment. It's an opportunity to say, okay, this may be a lost season. Winning games doesn't do anything for you in terms of the future. Especially if it's in a reset, rebuild situation. Bengals haven't done that. Even in bringing in a new coaching staff, they kept a large chunk, much larger than I would have expected for a new new, uh, head coach coming in, new staff coming in. They kept a large chunk of their roster and decided to go with it. And maybe that new staff could rejuvenate, re-excite this offense, reignite, maybe that was the word I was looking for. But the idea that they would get better results with the same players didn't work. Injuries, big part of it. But talent, you can see, talent gap, talent missing in a lot of areas, key areas. So what do you do at this point 0-4 as a fan, as a team? I think there's two different ways to look at it. You can hope you're, we have no say in it in it anyways, right? But we can hope our team makes the right choice and has a plan for the future. But that could also mean we see some losses and maybe some players moved. I think that's the hardest part in everything. It's not the wins and the losses for us right now because the team's bad. I think we want to see in signs of, signs of improvement, signs that the, we have the right coaching staff. I think it's inevitable at quarterback. The evaluation's kind of done there. If they end up with a top three pick, you take a quarterback, unless you have a guy under 26 years old or an elite quarterback. I think that's definitely the case for everyone in the league. The Bengals don't have either of those. So, they're, you know, if they pick there, that means they're looking at a quarterback. So, do you move players? Can you? Will, will the Bengals? Doesn't seem like a Bengals thing to do. They're never committed to a full plan, to a rebuild, to a restart. They're never committed fully to winning, right? <laughs> They're always one step in, one step out, you know, just hanging on the edge. But if they did plan it, I had a question today, and it was something I wanted to get to anyway, so I'm glad Doug sent us in. But he said, uh, let's pretend the Bengals do the re- um, full Miami tank job, the Miami Dolphins, dealing whoever has a market. What would that market look like for, he says, Andy Dalton, A.J. Green, Carlos Dunlap, and Geno Atkins? Those seem like the obvious ones to me, too, so I, I agree with that, Doug. I think Dalton, if you were to trade him right now, say the Bears, say Trubisky's out for a while. Say Drew Brees is out for a while, and then they don't think the Teddy Bridgewater can do it. Whatever the case may be, or a quarterback goes down in the next four weeks, right? I think you could possibly get a second rounder for Dalton. Because he still has another year on his deal, and the money's not crazy. So, let's look at it like... I'd say maybe a third I'd feel comfortable in saying they'd get. But I think you might be able to swindle a second out of that because it's probably a team that's going to pick late in the second round if they're willing to risk a pick on a quarterback, right? Because they already feel they, they have a good team. And let's say if like the Chiefs lost Pat Mahomes or something right now, and they need they don't want to sacrifice this year they've built. But I also think, uh, yeah, he wouldn't have, he's having a bad year. So he wouldn't have as strong a market as maybe we thought in previous years. As for AJ Green, that's a tough part because he hasn't played. He hasn't played now the last, what, Six games last year, now it's going to be about eight games this year. It's a full season. Those guys don't typically get paid very well when they hit the free agent market. In fact, they um, normally get one-year prove-it deals afterwards, even at 32 years old for a you know former top five receiver, so the talent's there. He'll get opportunities. People would be interested. But I think it'd be a conditional thing. Can you extend him? If that other team can extend him right away, I, I think uh, it increases the amount the Bengals would get. 
So Green would have to be open to that. If it was like the Patriots, would they offer a second rounder? I think you could do that because even if they lose him, they get back a third round pick. So it would be a rental basically for one year, half year. And I mean, they'll get back a third because the compensatory, if Green played well and signed somewhere else, that could equate a third round pick. Could equate a fourth if he doesn't get it, get the deal we think. And, you know, if he's injured and continues to be injured, he wouldn't get a, a, a crazy deal. Maybe you wouldn't get that pick back. But that'd be the risk for the Patriots or whoever is trading for him. So I would say, some people said it first. I don't think that happens at all. You'd have to sign him. They'd have to already agree on a deal, like a five-year extension for Green. Then maybe, yeah, maybe you can get a second rounder. Maybe you can get a first rounder. Maybe it's conditional pick based on how he plays the rest of the year. I'd be open for an idea like that. Uh, so let's say right now a second and a third for Gre- Green and Dalton. I'm saying a Dalton a third. Let's go on the conservative side and then second for Green. That might be conservative. A late second, Patriots. I think that makes sense. Uh, Dunlap is the next guy on the list. Edge pass rusher, good run defender. Never been an elite or high-end guy. He's got a couple Pro Bowls. I think you could still get, and his, his deal is pretty good. I think you can get a third rounder for, for Dunlap. I think a lot of teams would actually consider that. A third round pick, say you were in the opposite situation. We know Dunlap well. Say the Bengals team was good, they could use the end. I'd trade a third for Dunlap. No questions. So I do think that's like the strongest. Do, do I think you get a second? I don't. I think seconds are still... High-end premium picks, but a third, Eagles or something? Sure, I think that could happen. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened, actually. I'd be very interested if I were the Bengals in doing that because, well, I mean, I'm looking at Young from Ohio State, too, if the Bengals don't take a quarterback. If they're not in a situation, say they pick third, two quarterbacks go right in front of them, well, Young would be a great bookend to go with Sam Hubbard and Carl Lawson. So, yeah, so let's let's say uh, I would trade Dul- I mean uh, Dunlap. For a third round pick. Last guy is Gino. I think Gino's interesting because he's a future Hall of Famer. I think interior guys like him are harder to find. I think he's definitely on the downside of his career, not nearly as good as he used to be, even just three years ago. So I think we could be looking at potentially another third rounder for Atkins. And he's got a couple years left. So maybe you do get a second, a late second. I think it's probably a third. Would you trade Green, Dalton, Dunlap, and Gino? For a bunch of day two picks. That's what it comes down to, right? It would secure, it would it would ensure that you're probably picking top three. If you got rid of those guys, you may get the number one pick. So that's part of the trade-off, right? That's like the value of maybe you're the number four team versus the number one or two. I guess I haven't thought about that until just now saying it out loud. That kind of increases the, the, uh, the trade value chart on the side of trading these guys. Because it would ensure that quarterback or, if you want Chase Young... Um, yeah, so I would love to have a top three pick and then three second rounders and three third rounders. That would be a nice jump start to getting this team right. Spend a couple second rounders on a offensive lineman and linebacker. Get another wide receiver in here because you would need one. Yeah, I think you could turn that around pretty quickly if you did it right. If they nailed this draft, right, having seven premium picks, you could get it. Going pretty quickly. I take another defensive tackle in there somewhere, somewhere, hopefully replace what you're losing with Atkins. Because I got to think in five years, right? If you take a quarterback now, you reset the window for five years because he's on a rookie deal for the next five years, even with the option for that fifth year. So which one of those guys are going to be here in five years? And maybe the window, the Super Bowl window isn't 2020. It would be 2021 and beyond, like year two, like it was for Mahomes and the Chiefs. And I know he's fantastic, but that's the idea is year two, your quarterback's ready to get you back into the playoffs and you fight for it. So it would give you a year to 
use all of those premium picks, seven of them in this scenario, to regain some of that roster back. And then in 2021, you're probably still picking top six or so because your team wasn't that good. You got a rookie quarterback. You might be starting Ryan Finley even. You add another premium talent, whether that now that's a D tackle or a linebacker or a corner, whatever the case may be. And now your window's from 2021 to 2024 before you have to pay your quarterback again. And if you can nail two or three of those draft classes, and the Bengals have done that from 11 to 15, 11 to 14, I should say, even 14 now that we look back at it. So 11, 12, and 13, when the Bengals nailed their classes together, that was their chance then. 14, 15 was their chance. And I think that's the that's the plan. That would be the idea, is if we're going to get back to that spot by 2022, 23, 24, if you hit on the quarterback, if you hit on... Now, there's a lot of ifs there, but... What do you have to lose? You're picking top five even with these guys right now. You're not going to hit on all of those picks. I know this. But you're rolling the dice again. Because I don't think Gino would be here by that time. Dunlap might be, but he's not the same kind of guy. Green, maybe he's your Fitzgerald and he's still here and still playing. But evidence right now is that he can't stay healthy and maybe not as good as he used to be. And maybe he wants to go somewhere else. You know, Maybe you want to get that third round compensatory pick. Best case scenario if you let him walk and not trade him. Until 2021. So end of the third round in 2021, that just delays this window that we're trying to accomplish, right? So Dalton definitely won't be here. Yeah, I think I would do it now that I laid it out there. I came into this conversation not really having a plan, not really having an idea, not really sure that I want to get rid of those guys. I think those guys deserve better. And I think, you know, that kind of motivates me to do it because I'd love to see all those guys on the Patriots and go win a ring or Chiefs. Let's do the Chiefs, right? Send all those guys to the Chiefs. Except for Dalton, of course. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think at this point, the tank is on. I hope that they are in a situation where Week 16 is fun and exciting for all of the wrong or right reasons. Week 16 is the Dolphins game. And that could be the toilet bowl, as they call it, for the number one pick. But, man, it's like our Super Bowl this year. It's all going to gear up for that game. Everything. The future could rely on that game. Think if one of the two quarterbacks, if it's like two and, Her- and Herbert, one, only one ends up being good. What if it's Manning and Leaf, right? And this game decides it. Week 16, man, I'm looking at it already. It's circled on the calendar. Oh, that's going to be so fun. If, you know, both teams get that scenario in there, down in the, in the dumps, in the tank again. And maybe the other teams are the Broncos and the Redskins. Two, two guys, two teams that drafted quarterbacks this past year. Would they forego quarterback because they just drafted one? We've seen the Cardinals do that before, where they draft their quarterback just last year. We've seen the Panthers do it, where they took Clawson the next year. They take Cam Newton because they got the top pick. Not out of the realm of possibility, but maybe lessens the odds a little bit. So maybe you could pick fourth and still get your guy. Maybe. We're getting a little ahead of ourselves there. I think you have to commit. You have to decide in the next two or three weeks if they haven't already. Are we tanking? I think so. This Lockdown Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less takeout, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience. And without robbing you of the joy 
of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals, plus free shipping on your first box and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. There is a thrilling account of what a tank might look like from our Joe Goodberry and how there are some reasons to still be excited. And I don't know. I am not ready to talk about it at that level yet. I think that's really interesting food for thought. But I want to focus on this week because the Bengals are favored against the Arizona Cardinals. And if you're the kind of person that likes to gamble on football and bet with their heart, we talked about my bookie earlier. Well, the Bengals might cover three points this week. The Bengals, according to PFF, are a better team than Miami, who has their worst ELO rating out of any team. So it could be a good bet. You look at the PFF picks this week, about half of them are picking the Bengals. So those guys are relatively confident in the Bengals this week. You go look at their power rankings and they have Arizona 31st. Cardinals have been out of sync. Murray can't get the ball downfield, not really throwing it downfield. But we'll get a pretty good idea of which of these teams actually belongs at 31. And I'm saying 31 because I think Miami is squarely at 32 right now based on this game this week. Andy Dalton has been struggling with this offensive line that is easily the worst he's played behind in his career. There was a great piece today from Robert Mays over at The Ringer talking about that Andy Dalton is a litmus test for how good your team is. He is going to rise or fall based on the quality of your team and his play individually, his skill set isn't going to change all that much. I buy it. I think that's pretty true. And I think that we've seen that Dalton coaster, as it's been so called, over the years. And that's really more reflective of the organization than it is of Andy Dalton. They've struggled against good teams. And they've played a lot of those good teams in primetime. They've struggled against playoff teams because they're good. The Bengals haven't been elite since 2015 when they were, undisputably, I think, One of the better teams in the NFL, DVOA, the football outsiders metric of efficiency, the Bengals had the number one passing offense that year. And that's a really good point that Robert Mays makes over at the ringer. Go check that one out. But let's talk about this week because the Cardinals have some serious injuries that I talked about earlier on in the show, and they haven't quite figured out how to do an offense under Cliff Kingsbury. Same could be true of Zach Taylor and the Bengals. These guys actually were teammates back in the CFL. Just a fun fact. But that Arizona offense hasn't gotten it going this year, despite having potentially, hypothetically, some tools, right? Their top three skill players of Kyler Murray, David Johnson, Larry Fitzgerald, those are all really good names. Larry Fitzgerald's getting up there in age. David Johnson's come off some pretty severe injuries, hasn't really been the same player since. The Cardinals' defense has given up five more points than the Bengals' defense, and they've scored 25 more points than the Bengals' offense, including a crazy tie that they ended up having with one of the better teams in the NFC and the Lions in Week 1. But Week 1, I think, is just a write-off at this point. You can look back at all those Week 1 outcomes and say none of those really were predictive going forward. It gave us hope for a couple weeks there, and then that kind of crashed down in alarming fashion against the Steelers 
But just looking at this matchup a little bit this week, the biggest scary thing about the Arizona Cardinals on defense when the Bengals have the ball is going to be probably Chandler Jones, especially if Terrell Suggs is injured. He didn't practice today with a back injury. Chandler Jones will get reps against Andre Smith and Bobby Hart at the edge. I like Chandler Jones in that matchup a lot. Buda Baker's also back in practice. He's been a solid, strong safety for the Cardinals, but their secondary hasn't been great. They've been average, and Patrick Peterson is still suspended as far as I know. Their linebackers, again, aren't great, even though they signed Jordan Hicks, who's a guy that we liked at linebacker. He hasn't really figured it out in this uh, 3-4 kind of base defense that they're running in Arizona. And then when the Cardinals have the ball, they're going to be rolling out Andy Isabella and Larry Fitzgerald, and I don't really recognize most of the rest of these players on this team. Their right tackle, Jordan Mills, might be worse than Bobby Hart. Their left tackle has been solid. Rest of the offensive line, average. Andy Isabella should be an interesting matchup, though. He was one of PFF's darlings in the draft process, and the Bengals secondary hasn't been the best so far this year. They're adapting, I think, in a big way to a new defensive scheme. Drake Kirkpatrick is still essentially the same player. William Jackson has been very up and down, and B.W. Webb is exactly who we thought he'd be. So I think that will be interesting to watch. Can Andy Isabella and Larry Fitzgerald create separation? Can the offensive line hold up? Can Kyler Murray create enough time with his legs to find some of these guys downfield? If Carl Lawson is back, that means a lot for this defensive line that has really missed him. Geno Atkins still playing great. Carlos Dunlap steady, solid, good as ever. But they really could use Carl Lawson to be that extra pass rusher in there because after a good start to the season, Sam Hubbard has struggled a little bit, especially with tackling. You can see the motor going nonstop, but he's not really getting pressure and he's missing tackles when he has the opportunity to make them. I would be a little bit worried about David Johnson getting to the edge, testing Preston Brown and Nick Vigil horizontally. I think that's still the blueprint. I think that I would still be trying that if I was the Arizona Cardinals, but we'll have to see how that offensive line can hold up because I think for three weeks in a row now, the Bengals have played against pretty solid offensive lines. The San Francisco offensive line, I think, is probably among the best in the NFL. The Bills have a dramatically improved offensive line compared to with last year, and Pittsburgh has a very solid offensive line as well because it seems like, unlike Cincinnati, whoever they plug in at tackle is a solid plus player. Credit to their offensive line coach, although they do have a new one this year, I believe. Regardless, this will be an interesting litmus test for the Bengals. Are they really amongst those bottom five teams in the league, or can they beat bad teams? Because even when the Bengals haven't been great, Under Marvin Lewis, more often than not, they could beat bad teams. Yes, they had their struggles against rookie, young, inexperienced quarterbacks over Marvin Lewis's career, but they could still generally, and there are exceptions to this rule, beat bad teams. Can Zach Taylor and his coaching staff get this team together, rally them in their second home game, and beat a bad team? They have to be bad, right? They're 0-3-1. The Bengals probably also bad 0-4. But you look back to Marvin Lewis's first year, they started 0-3, and then the Bengals beat a bad Browns team. They went on to finish 8-8 after that 0-3 start. I'm sure you all remember it. This will be the first chance for Zach Taylor to start doing something similar to changing the culture, bouncing back, doing something like what Marvin Lewis did in his first year. And I don't mean to harp on Marvin Lewis, but in his first year, he was an exciting hire. He had coached one of the best defenses of all time in Baltimore, And he got this team to 8-8 after decades of misery. We'll hope Zach Taylor can do the same. And we haven't been waiting as long for this bounce back 
as we did with Marvin Lewis coming off the 90s. But it sure does feel rough and hard right now. We would like to see some reason to believe, at least in this head coach, that he was the right hire. It's a day game for the Bengals on Sunday against an uncommon opponent, and in years past, you would think this is a great matchup for Andy Dalton, but he doesn't have his weapons. We'll have to see how that goes. We'll be back on Sunday night with a game recap. Until then, Bengals fans, have a good one. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.